yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear. Once again, I am Moxon, and I'm joined by the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, you got an exciting guest going with us today. That's right, because because uh, if you like fun music, well, we have fun music with you. And I tell you, we like the funk, and, and I'm pretty sure that our guest does, too. He is the, the leader of the Pimps of Joy Time. We have Brian J. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're happy to have you on the show, um, you know, to talk talk your band, Pimps of Joy Time. I mean, like I said, it's good, fun music. I We love funk. And and it's great that you're bringing some funk to us, but but with some of the some of the other groups too. So and you got the new album reaching up. So let's talk about that. Sure. So first, let's. Why don't you just tell us how it came about? Um, I think you've been working on it for a while. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I started working on the record in 2019, and the way it started is I partially relocated to New Orleans, so uh, I moved my studio down there. And then I was part time in Brooklyn and just going to New Orleans to work in my studio. And I took two weeks uh, to go down there and just by myself, uh, just using my A track, real to real, just demo up some ideas. And so every day I'd work on a different idea, like sort of an instrumental. I, I wasn't doing any lyrics, anything like that, or even song structure. And I came up with basically what became most of the record are those um, instrumentals that I made in those two weeks. And then just as I got inspired, I would just start to write lyrics or collaborate with people. And that instrumental, I just started kind of gibberishing my way through it. You know, sometimes I, I put on an instrumental and I just make sounds that sound like, you know, that are fun to sing. And then I kind of go back and I listen to what I did and I try to understand what I said. It's like this weird writing process. And then the song just kind of like magically, I kind of got like maybe half the way of like, it makes sense. And then um, Carol C who I collaborated with a bunch, she kind of came in and just gave it those crucial little tweaks and just helped it like, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. you know. So that's pretty much how it came about. So then is that typically your writing process where you'll just kind of start fleshing out the like instrumental part and then, and then just make yeah. noises randomly? Yeah. The gibberish thing. I'm big on the gibberish, you know, uh, it's, all, it's kind of like scatting, but where you start, because then the subconscious starts to work, you know, and then it's like all of a sudden you say you listen to it back and you're like, oh, man, that sounds like I'm trying to say this thing. You know, I always like to it's sort of a process of getting out of your own way to create, because if I sit down with like a pen and like, a, you know, on a desk with a pad of paper and try to write something, it's I, I don't know. I don't think it doesn't work too good for me. It's awkward. <laughs> I do think it's always interesting to hear people in there and the way that they kind of handle it because we're all, you're all getting to the same place at the end, which is a song recorded, but it's just the, the way to get there. There's so many different ways of getting there. Yeah, sure. Now, is that when you find yourself collaborating with someone, like does it ever kind of not mesh with your system? Well, when I collaborate with somebody, I'm, I'm not going to force my system, you know, 
that's the joy of collaborating. You get to see somebody else's work. But if there's like, if they're not, if they're having trouble coming up with something, I'll be like, hey, why don't you just, I'll turn the mic on and just, just, you know, freestyle. And just we'll just see what comes out. And that's, you know, essentially what I'm doing. But other people will freestyle with like real words and real phrases. Like when I worked with Marcus on reaching up, he kind of his gibberish kind of sounded like he came out with pretty complete ideas. So that was that was cool. <laughs> so that- I hope I'm answering your Question. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So then, I mean, in this case, you do have lots of people that are guesting on the album. Was that kind of um, intentional, or was that? Yeah, just, uh, yeah. Because I just went through a phase where I'm like, I was sick of my own voice, and and I'm like, I just I have all these great talented people around me, and uh, yeah. So I love that. It's something I really want to continue now in the future. And then you also, you play all the instruments, I guess, like yourself, and then you bring other people in to kind of... I, I do a lot of what I did wound up on the record, but a bunch of the bass is Pete Chand from New Master Sounds. Um, we have a long-standing uh, friendship and working relationship. So some of that disco stuff, you know, I played it. Like, I, I know what I want to hear and I play the line, but, you know he was able to come in and be like, let me just show you how it's really done. He's so, such a phenomenal uh, bass player and a great dude. Uh, and, and I think the drums are mostly me. I think a, a lot of the instruments winds up, winds up being me. It's, a lot of that is out of convenience. You know, I, I was really perfecting the album during the quarantine. So, you know, just made it happen was it a different oh go ahead oh go ahead ahead. i was gonna say is it a different like system because of the quarantine like do you feel like you worked on it longer than you may have yeah yeah because i thought i was done with the record at the beginning of the pandemic but it wasn't the right time to put it out so every couple of months i returned to it and i was like you know what little things sometimes something's bothering you but it's so subtle it, it hasn't even it can be one of the problems of working alone too, that sometimes you need someone else to be, to say, Hey, this is, can be better. But because I had so much time after you take a break from it, you come back then you're like, yeah, I think this X, Y, and Z can be better. So that process went on for a year or a year and a half longer than it normally would have, which I think was really helpful. So who are the core members of the band right now? If we were to, see you live who's in the band what do they bring to the experience yeah i mean it's a bit of a rotating cast but chauncey yearwood uh who's chauncey if you know the band from the beginning he the first five four or five years of pimps of joy time chauncey was a full-time member and then he stepped back for a good chunk of time and now he's back so uh chauncey's a phenomenal singer and percussionist and just like all around cool dude, like he just brings this, this spirit, you know. Uh, that's probably like the biggest thing that he's bringing beside, you know, obviously what he plays and sings, 
but just uh yeah spirit he's like a old soul and uh chauncey's been like an old man since we were kids you know what i mean like we've been working <laughs> together like almost 15 20 years and like he's got this kind of wise old sage energy uh I'm using um, a couple phenomenal drummers, um, Eric Boulevard, uh, who, you know, he's, he actually played on the first Pimps record. So he's been in the Pimps family for a long time. And um, Terrence Higgins out of New Orleans, who's just like, just ultimate drummer. I mean, he's like really high level drummers. It's crucial, just as a side note, like that, that's one of my secrets of band leading is like surround myself with really, really good people. So uh, those are phenomenal drummers. And when I moved to New Orleans, I've been working with Dave Bayless on bass for so long. Um, but coming out of the pandemic, I wanted to kind of try to start the band locally out of New Orleans when we started doing trips and I wanted to do a lot of rehearsing. So I decided to try something different and I, uh, I hit up uh, Ed Lee, who's uh, his main instrument is sousaphone. And he's a great like synth bass, key bass guy. So we've been touring with uh, Ed who's, yeah. So we got like the sousaphone, which is just a whole nother thing. And uh, his key bass is badass. And he's a great singer too, phenomenal singer. Uh, so we've been rolling with him. And um, Carol C, who's my amazing life partner, and she was also an important part of the record. She helped me with writing and some arranging, and she's has a singer featured on there. Um, she's been doing a bunch of the touring, um, but when she's unable to do it, uh, Kim Dawson, who's also kind of like a pimp's, you know, like a pimp's family, she's been coming in doing some shows and myself and i think that's everybody here and there black pearl uh when chauncey is not there black pearl does it he's another original member so i kind of have this like extended family that so i have those core people but from time to time someone else from the past will come for like a tour or something was it so long, long, wind, long winded answer? I'm sorry. Well, no, that's <laughs> fine. We, we like those. But um, was it always intended to be that way then for the Pimps of Joy time to kind of be a bit of a rotating cast and to allow people to kind of come in and come back? I mean, the whole thing since I started is a bit of an experiment. It was a kind of learn as you go. I, I knew that I wanted to be a band leader because the band I had before this one was like a kind of more democracy. And which is amazing, but I wasn't now I feel like I'm ready for that. But at the time I started Pimps of Joy time, I was like, you know, I, I want to be a band leader. I want to be able to make decisions and not be talked out of them. And, you know, it's part of the growing experience. But as I started, yeah, I mean, I tried to put together the band like I got the ultimate, which I've done multiple times. It's just you do it and then things I don't want to say don't work out, but, you know, life shifts people around. So people get shifted out and I get new people. But I would say pretty consistently I get like really good people and we do something special together. So 
but to, I, I guess that's a roundabout answer. I, yeah, originally set out to have like, this is the band, but that, uh, that has morphed into it's an extended family. <laughs> is it difficult to find new people than when you need to? It can be. It can be. I mean, drummers, this is a really demanding gig on drums. Uh, and there's a lot of people that have the talent to do, but I'm like, I'm ultra picky when it comes to drums because I'm a drummer and there's something very specific. It's a lot of specific things that I need. Like I need somebody that has a lot of technique and a lot of impact, but really actually knows how to not use it and just lay in the pocket. So that, that's sort of, and also the skill of a lot of times we play with samplers, so this click track. So there's the talent of being able to really play to a click and make, you know, grease it up and keep everyone around you. You know, it's like a lot of skill involved. Uh, so I'd say that's probably the hardest position to find. And be also because people tend to be in uh, high demand when they have all those criteria that you really want and they're cool people it's that's probably like you know they, they say like if you want your kid to get into good college you, you start them to you got to learn oboe or some weird instrument because then they could get the scholarship i would say if you want to work like become a phenomenal drummer with a, tons of technique and learn how to forget all your technique and play real greasy and not always try to drummers tend to want to like be the star you know like the star uh athlete that's scoring all the goals where you have to learn how to know let me set everybody up for everybody else to look good it's 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 such a fine balance i mean you probably could say that for every instrument <laughs> tuned into drums so you talk about I was mentioning to Brett. Oh, sorry. I was mentioning to Brett right before the uh, podcast began how yeah. music, it makes me want to move and yet it still relaxes me at the same time. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you manage to pull off two things at once. That's a good thing. Well, I, I don't feel like we're the hypest band. Uh, like live, we used to be more hype. Like just let's just get the crowd raging and just create those ecstatic moments. And that's a really great thing. And there's bands that are so good at that. Um, but I know what I love to see. And it's not always that. I, I like a little subtlety, too. You know, I like don't be on 10 all day. I like let's groove around five or six and then we can pop up to 10, one or two moments in the show, you know. But I, I love dynamics. I love like, you know, the sensuality in music, too, not just the rah-rah yeah. well i think there's a lot of uh i think uh, i've heard a lot of like sly and the family stone elements yeah. in some of your albums where it's you know it's got that like that dirty kind of sound but with with a nice groove and and again it doesn't have to be up all the time it can be it can be serious and and in a lower place yeah yeah and even it can be happy uh, but still just grooving like like that more sensual groove. 
But that's a great compliment because Sly Stone, I mean, he just had such brilliance with his writing and his arranging. And I, I try to be a little more <laughs> stable. I think. <laughs> but I think everybody. That's fair. That's a good, good choice. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can't be, you can't be amazing at everything. And like, I can't sing or write or as well as him, but I, maybe I'm a, a bit more stable. It's also the era that, that era, I think was, that we did, he was doing stuff that never been done before. I mean, they were really uh, groundbreaking. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I love Sly Stone and, and, the work that they do and of course but like you say i mean it's just it's unfortunate because imagine if he was stable how much music we would wind up getting out of them yeah but it's weird i mean there maybe there is a thing that part of his creativity was that he was like just unhinged and just you know that's they sometimes work together mm -hmm. yeah that's why sometimes the most talented gifted people are not the ones that you see when you go see music or you know or even here because even to make an album requires a lot of things other than just talent well, what yeah, are some of those things that besides just talent that it requires what is it is it drive is it uh, uh yeah. well just finishing a record and that's why producers can be important it you have to do stuff that's not as fun like the last five percent of a record is like not fun it's so nitpicky and it's stuff that's really important you know like a lot of organization and really paying attention and uh to fine details and so yeah some really gifted people just make these demos that are like holy shit this is so great but it's not necessarily quite ready to be presented in a way that it possibly can be as successful as it could be. And then all the things that it takes any person to be successful at almost any job, you gotta be able to show up, you gotta, sometimes you have to be able to, you know, you have to work with people, whether it's some type of boss or business partner, you know, there's, and it, there was so many things I had to learn like I think I had raw talent when I started, but I needed a lot of cultivation. And I had to learn a lot about working with people and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Do I, you do you look back on the early albums and and think, you know, how much you've evolved to this point? And yeah, like I listened. Yeah, but there's the good like my first album is very unique because there's a lot of different ideas in there and it was very free. Like I was, yeah, I listened to it. I'm like, oh, like I wouldn't make those production decisions now and things like that. But there's real creativity there that uh, I'm just different now. It's like first albums can tend to be like that, just very kind of creative, not sticking to any many conventions. Um, yeah, I'm sorry for these like uh long winded answers. I hope it's no, not. No, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's, it means people we're talking less, people don't want to hear from us, so so we get to hear from you. 
you know, I mean, we, we hear it all the time that people say the first album is their best album because they spent their whole life writing that one. Yeah. And the next album, they only had, you know, 18 months or whatever to, to put it together. Right. So, you know, I mean, I kind of can see what you're talking about there. That yeah. early stuff. I mean, I, I don't think the first one is the best one, but it was probably the most creative because I didn't even know if I wanted to do funk. Where I started making the record before I even knew what genre, and I recorded a lot of stuff, acoustic stuff, singer-songwriter, some more rock, because I didn't know what I wanted to do, because I had done so many different styles leading up to that first record and the concept of the band. But then I, the funk groove thing was like, I think this is me. I think this is the direction I want to go. Was it a challenge to kind of you know, like bring the funk out, like, or, or, or do you feel kind of like you're naturally funky in that regard? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it's fun. You know, funk is fun. So that's the reason I went with it. Like out of the different styles, uh, I also tried to pick something that I feel like I could excel at, you know, that I'm like naturally pretty good at. So happened <laughs> well and it, you know like every album i just keep it keeps getting deeper and just you know the aesthetic i'm changing the world's changing music is developing so it's interesting to think like how the sound is changing throughout all the albums i mean i've only done six but yeah that's pretty good, though. I mean, and and obviously you're doing something right to be going out on tour with uh, George Clinton. So that's a huge nod. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I would just walk behind him all the time saying, tell me a story. Have you got a story? <laughs> yeah. Can I get a story? Because that guy got endless stories, I'm sure. Yeah, no, totally. I, we need the book. <laughs> Hopefully he's going to work on the book. Yeah, hopefully. So yeah. then when you found out about that tour, like, uh, um, did, have you have you met George? I met George uh, in 2016 or 17 when we, we were on, uh, we played right before them in Santa Cruz at a festival. And um, a homie of mine that had been in the P-Funk organization uh, introduced us but it was very quick just like hey how you doing <laughs> but then when you found out about this tour like how, how did you feel and uh, like because is it is it a challenge for you guys to get a, a like a good tour slot or is it just kind of choosing which one you want most uh yes it's a challenge support slots if they that actually pay enough to make them doable uh, are there's not a lot of so yeah they're it's pretty competitive and a lot of the good support slots are just i can't afford to do them so it's not even an option uh i it, yeah it was like presented hey would you be interested in doing this and i was like yeah of course and then they're like all right we're gonna see if we can get it done because i think when they were playing the tour i guess the agency put out like a a memo like hey we're looking for the right support acts for the tour and we like threw our name in the hat and, uh, you know 
got it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it should be a lot of fun, uh, fun, I'm sure. And then you've got some other shows along the way. So you've actually got a pretty decent tour lined up for the summer. Yeah. Yep. It's a little intimidating. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of logistics, <laughs> a lot of sort of unknown factors that were just, you know, because it's part of the challenge of a band. You have five people you're responsible for and that are trying to plan their lives as well. And, uh, as anyone that's done any touring knows that yes it's a lot of fun and it's just an awesome experience but it also can be uh really challenging really draining but you know what i mean like if you walk away and you've actually made money then i can't complain because people do a lot of harder things to make it must money. have been difficult actually <laughs> must have been difficult during the pandemic to not be able to tour at all for that length of time uh, it was great for a year, and then after a year, it's like, okay, I'm almost broke. It's time to <laughs> get to work. Yeah. But that, that's a, it is another element. It's getting a little easier now, but yeah, that we started a year ago, and it was really like a whole nother level of is this even ethical to be doing? Mm. Like when we started, we had to some tours we didn't take, but at a certain point, we were like, you know what, let's just go do it. Let's really ask people to wear masks and be safe. And yeah, so fortunately, things seem to be getting slightly back to normal. Yeah. You look like you're in a beautiful area there. Is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in Jersey, my the, the state I was born in. Um, we're staying with uh, me, Carol, and our doggie. We're staying with, with family for uh, two weeks here in uh, Jersey. Beautiful park there. Yeah. So then when it comes to the business, like how how hard is it to, because I mean, as the band leader, especially like how much of the business do you do? How much do does management do? Does that like how much do you kind of push off somebody else? Management, management and agents do a lot, but I'm like real involved. So, you know, there's things happening every day that I'm involved in. And at the end of the day, it's me, it's my bank account that's either going to go into negative or we're going to survive. It's like, it's real. This level that I'm at is like really tricky. It's really tricky because stuff, especially now, flights are so expensive. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's this balancing act. They're like, are we going to survive? That kind of thing. But we do it because we love it at the end of the day. There's the, that's, if I didn't love it, it'd be, I would definitely not, I would just, I'd still do music. And I do, I do other things other than touring. Uh, but yeah, it's challenging. You're involved in the, the look of the music video, the lyric video, uh, and uh, that type of thing? Sometimes or? not. Some, yeah. Sometimes not. And oftentimes somebody does something and I'm like, uh, no, that's not the aesthetic. Uh, but yeah, like I would say about 80% of the videos I'm involved with, like whether it's editing or working with the person that's doing it, you know, the, the look, maybe not 80%, but a, a good amount. <laughs> same thing I, with I, merchandising I, or are you? What's that? Same thing with merchandising, or you kind of got your hands in that um, portion as well. Fortunately, that, that no, fortunately, I'm <laughs> really happy about it. But like you know, once we 
you know, the artwork was selected and we have sort of the image, then it's just taking elements and, you know, we tend to keep it simple. So. Is it something that um, that you find like when you're out on the road, especially that you do you need to have more merchandise or do you kind of have like, do you find like a smaller amount does better? I mean, it's great to have, we haven't gotten to the point yet. Like we haven't done long tours where we've really gotten our merch game together. People are not buying CDs as much, but they are buying vinyl, but that's harder to travel with. Um, and we don't we usually have a tour manager uh, but yeah it's it's another whole responsibility having like a proper merch set up that sometimes is happening sometimes not we're still finding our footing with that the, in the post pandemic atmosphere well then too like how is it that um, besides besides talking to us how is it that you often uh, find yourself trying to, or, or how do you kind of navigate getting yourself through all the other bands out there to try to make it uh, for yourself? I just try to be as good as I can be. Like I really try to write the best songs and try to have like an interesting live show. And just, I try to make music that I love as much as I can. And I, try to surround myself with great musicians and that's my number one role in the band it's just like create the best music i can and you know and hopefully that's enough there's a lot of great bands out there working really hard i mean part of it too is the bands that are out there really just touring like 200 dates a year which is something we can't really do now, but that's how you build, you know, in front of 50 to hundred people, you can make fans for life in that small, tiny space. And, you know, when you're starting out and you have the energy, you just get out there in a van and you hit these little towns. And you, if you're a good band, you get that reputation going and we're in a little bit of a different pocket now because we've kind of gotten to these certain levels we're playing bigger rooms, which are a little harder to create that awesome, intimate experience. Uh, but yeah, it's challenging. Long story short, just try to play and make the best music I can and, that, and uh, hope that people like it. Makes sense to me. I mean, you're making good music. You're just, you know, one song getting picked up and put in a TV show away from reaching another yeah. level then right yeah that's and you a never really, know when something like that can happen yeah I'm, I'm starting to work with a really great um guy that does licensing for pimps of joy time but also i make tons of tracks and other types of uh stuff that's more specifically for that uh, but yeah i'm hoping with like somebody on my team that's a we get some little things here and there, but I'm hoping he's going to help really push it to the next level. So then is when it comes down to being a musician, is it one of those cases where it's just like you need to love it to, to be able to do it because you just couldn't, <laughs> it's probably not worth it if you're not, if, if you don't love it. Yeah. If you don't love it, you'd have to be a lot smarter than me. Like you'd have to, 
I mean, there are, I've seen, and I don't want to name names, but I've seen, if you have a really good idea, like a kitschy idea that's, you know, really digestible and you have some money, you can do it and put it out there and it can become successful. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know. I, I would never recommend that this as a business <laughs> to somebody, you know? Yeah. Well, cause I guess the thing, like you can put out a hit song, but I mean, how many one hit wonders are there that don't wind up with longevity? And I think that that's the, the ultimate goal of the musician is, you know, obviously to be the most successful, but to have a long career within the music business. The George Clinton yeah. thing. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the George Clinton, that's like, I wouldn't even say once in a generation. Cause that that's like the grateful dead or, something that's like a religion, you know, it's like you yeah. start a thing that's so powerful that, I mean, at the end of the day, like he's like a cult leader. He could just walk on stage and his energy and the history has spread out to everybody around him. And even through the audience. And, you know, that's like a dream to, to get that type of power and mystique. So, cause I love the concept of not, and, this could sound the wrong thing, but not needing to try too hard because mm -hmm. I like when musicians don't try too hard, like watching somebody just like shredding and like, I'm trying so hard. Like I'm just not as into that. I like things that feel like dancing, you know, like, you know, like Terrence Higgins on the drums. He's not the guy trying hardest. He's the guy that's like, he dances on the drums. You know what I mean? So that's a, a beautiful thing. That's kind of a dream. Well, and the best people at their at their jobs still can make it look easy and make it look natural no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. So then what can people expect from a Pimps of Joy Time uh, concert when they go? Um, uh, you know, this whole time, I, I, and I sorry, I'm sorry if this sounds like self-important, but you guys are asking good questions, and it's kind of fun for me to, you know, dig deep and try to like come up with these answers. And I, and I know it sounds self-indulgent, uh, so I apologize to uh, you and the listeners. Uh, so I'll try to keep it short. Uh, you know, funky good time, and like at the end of the day, it is about fun even though all the intricacies of like making everything work and come together is complicated, um, you know, fun, you know, I, I try to write good songs and I have good singers. So there's vocal harmonies and, you know, soul, you know, try to keep it real soulful. Like, you know, at the end of the day, I try to make something that I like, like if I saw the show, I'd be like, and I'm a snob when it comes to music, you know, I want to make some, so it's hard. Like I have to really like, how do I be creative? I want to be funky, but I don't be obvious too. I want to do some things that are like, Oh, that's, that's new. That's interesting. So, you know, so something that has some thought behind it too, you know, uh, so yeah, I would say, yeah, the combination of those two things, some fun, some funk, some groove and, uh, something a little thoughtful at the same time i was looking at some of your live videos you by the way you can edit everything out except that <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I was looking at some of your live videos and it looks like the band is enjoying the music and the environment as much as the audience, you know, and that well, yeah, really it's just across. like any, any performer knows, like it's a give and take, like, you know, we can in a vacuum generate a good sound and we can execute our songs. But when you get in front of a crowd, that's like, Oh, we love this. That's like fuel, you know, that's fuel to the fire. Do you have any idiosyncrasies when it comes to uh, like before going on stage? Uh, I tend to just like to just just be quiet and just, you know, just kind of get in my own little zone. I don't want to socialize too much at that time. Like the, even if it's the band, like I like when it's just the band in the room and like for the 10 or 15 minutes before we go on, even if everybody's ignoring each other. It's nice if we're like all together for like 15 minutes, but no guests. And so just to get our energies, you know, synced. How important is it for you to be able to get along with everybody in the band? Uh, I would say as the band leader, it's a little less, it, it's very important. The, the short answer is very important. But part of my thing is like, as a band, you gotta learn. Sometimes you're not gonna get along with everybody. Like it's just the nature of what it is. Um, but I would say, very important as long as you're not sacrificing, like your musical vision or, you know, sometimes you have to be a jerk to one person so another person is happy. You know, or you got to find that balance because, you know, everybody has individual desires and idiosyncrasies. And, oh, it's challenging. So it's for me, it's impossible, but I try. <laughs> but I'm, I think there's much better band leaders than me. I just I'm good at the musical part. The band leader part is a skill that I'm still trying to develop. So it must have been very hard in the first, like when you first started doing it to have to tell somebody like, oh, no. Uh. Uh, yeah, but sometimes I had to be told there was times that because when, when it's your music and you're the band leader, all you see is the path to the top of the hill. And and so many young um, band leaders make this mistake is to not realize like, hey, your vision and your band doesn't that person you're working with doesn't feel the same way like that it takes time for other people that are it's like it's not their band to really and i've always kind of it's like a family so i do try to make people really feel like part of it but at the end of the day it's it's my band it's my baby and you have to understand first and foremost that people around you aren't necessarily going to feel as strongly as you are so you have to be like considerate of people's energy. You have to understand that even like, you know, somebody's being hired, you still have to um, just be considerate of their, especially because music requires soul. So it's more than just hiring, I don't know, a caterer or something like that. You know, you're hiring somebody to bring their talent and their skill. So uh, you have to respect people and their time and their energy. So it took time for me to become aware of that. Could have yeah. saved my heartache. 
<laughs> especially if you're if you, when you want to hire the best, then you have to be able to to treat them like that too. I expect. Yeah, but it's funny because the 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 higher up you go in terms of the the musicians on a higher level that you know they make the bigger bucks, they get the bigger gigs. The more that the easier they are. The easier people become to work with. It's like when well, you're a new band and you're working with people who haven't really toured that much and don't. That's the real challenging part. When you get the real experienced people, that everybody's about like peace, peace. Like you know how to not how to avoid conflict. How to you know just you know yourself. You know what you need, and you can kind of balance your own energies and just be a positive force out there in the group, things like, and that's part, it's a huge thing it, when you talk about the, what it takes to be a great like sideman or, you know, sideman's a little, it is a thing, but I think, you know, in my case, it's a deeper thing. You're, you're helping someone else's vision that to be great at that is like only 50% the music. It's a huge part, like your energy and uh, the hang, you know, you want to be fun and at the very least, not difficult things like that, you know. And I guess so, those are those are the things, of course, that 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 you probably learn with time, whereas I guess when yeah. you start, you probably have a vision in your head of what the yeah. music industry and what you are supposed to be like within that. And then over time you learn, oh no, that's not right. And you have to change yeah. that. Yeah, for me, I was just all music. My whole, yeah, music, we gotta play these shows, get in front of people, like we gotta show them what we got. Like, you know, but yeah, I don't know. Some people are naturally really good at it. They're, they have a great disposition and they're just naturally easy and they're very considerate. And, you know, personally, I had to develop a lot of those things, which is good. It's like, I was kept humble enough that's why some people that get a lot of success early are, you know, douchebags because they never had to, to develop. Uh, they never got humbled and had to like, you know, develop. Oh, here's, here's one of my teammates. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brian, um, you know, we've had a great time with you and we want to give you the chance to uh, tell everybody how they can keep up with you and the Pimps of Joy Time. Sure. Yeah. Pimpsofjoytime.com. And um, my other I have a project that's uh, a world's music um, guitar based instrumental uh, project it's called Gitkin. And if you want to check that out, you can check out Gitkin Music. It's G-I-T-K-I-N. And uh Instagram, I, I guess wherever anyone digs music or <laughs> Instagram's a great way. We're like, you know, pretty up on that. Awesome. Well, I urge everybody to go out and listen to the album Reach Enough. Uh, it's it's good fun. And uh, and like Martin said, you know, you can you can listen to it and have some fun. You can listen to it and relax. So you've got you've got it all going on. I love love your work. I've been uh, you know waiting for for my ride. It has been buzzing in and out of my head for like four or five days. <laughs> okay, cool. But uh, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. I want to wish you all the best in the future and we look forward to talking to you again. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me and uh, dealing with my long-winded answers. Oh, it's all good. We we love very those. interesting. You're a very interesting man. So don't worry about thanks. it. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank thanks you. a lot. Thanks for your time. Guys. Later.